is the Entertainment Beyond Podcast with your host Jensen Dean Jackson and Alan Weinstein, bringing you all things relevant in pop culture and entertainment. We will be with you weekly, at least, talking about movies, politics, music, and all things in between. So check us out. See you next week. Same bad time, same bad station. Going. going all right how about yourself uh, i'm doing all right you know enjoying a a beautiful day off on this perfectly normal thursday uh with nothing oh. going on no special occasion at all just perfectly normal thursday but i'll wish our three listeners a wonderfully happy thanksgiving i enjoyed a huge plate of turkey and mashed potatoes and stuffing so I'm half well, asleep as I do this podcast from the trip to fam, but uh, why yeah, wouldn't I, I hope everyone's having a wonderful day I'm with friends and family? Part Native American, Alan. I'll never celebrate this holiday. That'll I never understand. Happen. I totally that will get never it. happen. It would be, yeah. I don't want to compare it to anything, and just I'm not going to celebrate. It's a slap in the face <laughs> of my people. As well, so. But you know, it's not a slap in the face of my people, Alan. Welcoming the listeners back to another episode of Entertainment Beyond. Yes, yes. Yeah, so uh, last, always last, uh, to be. the last episode, we weren't able to uh, get on the same page, so to speak. So I covered a movie that I saw uh, called Spencer, starring Kristen Stewart, about uh, the, I suppose, I guess it might be like closer to the last days of Princess Di's life. Than the beginning of her royal adventure. Ah, uh-huh. it was a good movie. Interesting. <laughs> That's what you said in text message. You don't care to elaborate? Yeah, I mean it doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, I'm not a you know. I mean, Princess Di is whatever, and I'm not a huge Kristen Stewart fan, so I really don't. Well, you I like the Twilight movie. movies. I did like the Twilight movies, but that's as a proud gay man, I'm you know Robert Pattinson and. And Taylor Lautner are hot, so. Uh. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I you know, that was my first, you know, uh, exposure to, to, she did a good job as Bella Swan, but, uh, I mean, she's not a bad actress. It just, I, she's just not one of those, like, one, I go, oh, look, Kristen Stewart's in it, I got to see that. Like, it's not, I mean, I appreciate she's a good actress and not, you know, I, I think she's good. I just, it's not one that makes me run out to the movie. You know, you never seen Escape Room? Uh, I have not Panic seen Escape Room. Room. You never saw, you never saw Panic Room with Jodie Foster. Yes, I did see that. Kristen Stewart was in that. That was like one of her first movies. Uh, okay, well then I guess that was I must not have recognized it because it was earlier. She in, kinda, so she kind of looked like a boy. Maybe yeah, she had to have been best. one of the children, right? I mean, yeah, she was a child. She was like the only child that was in that movie, right? And I guess I didn't put, I didn't realize that, but, and I don't, Panic Room is so old now, I don't remember, you know, her role per se, or whether she enjoying Panic Room, because, uh, what's her name, who I'm drawing a blank on now, the star. Jodie Foster? Jodie Foster is a great actress, so, you know, I enjoyed that, but I, I've definitely, it's been so long since I've seen it that I couldn't tell you that if Kristen Stewart was good in it, and I definitely didn't realize I was Kristen Stewart, so. 
Well, there you have it, Alan. But it was good. She's she. I think she could definitely get a nomination for some sort of award. And it was nice to break up the uh, the uh, the action with uh, it. It was a, a exercise in patience, not having a movie that had a. There was no action, so to speak, in, in the typical terms of like explosions or anything like that. But it was still a a damn good movie. Interesting. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not a fan of royalty at all. I uh, obviously I'm young enough that Princess Diana was already deceased, or you know, yeah. I mean, I can't remember. I'm not. I'm not very interested in them. That that doesn't pop me. But, you know, I've been more willing than I suppose some people to see if Kristen Stewart has the the acting chops. And I think she does with this role. She really embodied uh, Princess Diana. So you're there for Kristen Stewart, not for the... the no, uh... no, fuck the royals. I don't give a shit about the royals. It's that, none for... of that makes any sense to me. Yeah. I was there to watch Kristen Stewart do her thing and try to win an Oscar. And there's a very good chance she might at least get nominated for one. Well, maybe I'll maybe I'll check it out. I, you know, my wife is I mean, I you know, I mean I'm definitely a, a Anglophile. I like those things British. Um my wife, you know, is kind of big on we watch The Crown on Netflix and she we like period pieces all that kind of shit and it's highly likely that at some point especially if Kristen Stewart gets a nomination and it gets some sort of you know playing that end up on my television and I'll end up seeing it right now I'm not you know running inside to turn off my Cowboys game to put it on but um, I, uh, <laughs> you know at some, at some point it will probably pop up on my television and I'll, I'm sure I'll check it out oh, that's funny uh okay well ladies and gentlemen we're getting to the real meat and potatoes of the show and uh that's about the season 11 of curb your enthusiasm like i said at the end of the last podcast and uh, uh sorry I, feel like... I was uh, having a yeah, good i was gonna jump in real quick but just kind of uh... oh go ahead what as I was gonna say, I was going to jump in real quick with just observation. It feels like this season, and I think, and you can probably tell me one way or the other, this is going to be their last season, right? Well, um, you don't remember the news that I we broke that news on a podcast uh, where they said <coughs> they said Larry's getting <coughs> up there in age. Right. I don't know okay. if that's the, the last season or not. Right, I do it's remember funny that. that uh, Jeff Green said that. I feel like there's been an underpinning current of uh, a theme of being old throughout season 11. What I do feel like is I feel like some of the episodes were a little bit longer and I feel like there's a lot, they're a lot denser. I feel like he has more issues and little subplots this season in each episode than ever before. In past seasons, you know, most episodes were really 28 to 30 minutes and, and held very firm to that. 
I think three or four was like 48 minutes. Um, and it seemed like they were much more kind of in one kind of funny thing where these, this season, it seems that they're packing them a little bit more densely. I don't know if you've noticed that at all, but that's something that seemed to, I, at least that's something I thought I noticed. Um, I didn't notice. What? I'm sorry. I said I didn't notice that. Oh. Well, then maybe it's just me. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, this is, I think, you know, short of being what I just said, um, I think it's very Larry David and Curb Your Enthusiasm. I mean, it's right up, you know, it's right all the other episodes and seasons. Um, a lot of times... I think uh, the last episode, uh, the episode titled The Watermelon, uh, my personal opinion, <laughs> that is one that is the worst episode of Career Enthusiasm in the history really? of the entire series. Yeah, is that the one, like the that. one from the grocery store where he's yelling, I like watermelon, you like watermelon? Do you the one sort with like the fucking racist with the clan right. member. Yeah. And, you know, I thought, you know, I know that Larry David, at least in the show, uh, his character doesn't really care about, you know, being that faithful to Judaism or whatnot. But still, I kind of assumed, you know, <clears throat> when he offered to take that piece of shit's um, <laughs> robes to the cleaners, I thought he was going to fucking ditch him and throw him away. Right. Yeah. I, I, mean... I didn't think that he was actually going to fucking. <laughs> Get them cleaned. Yeah, no, I didn't like that episode at all. I, you know, I, it it was definitely one of the more cringeworthy episodes. I mean, I, I, you know, I think that there are certain topics that are very tough to breach, or you know, to to breach, and this is one of them. I, I don't, I'm not sure that, but I think some of the stuff in that episode was funny. I thought the the scene where at the dry cleaner talking to the other Jew and he's trying to talk him into cleaning the, the clans with Rose. I thought that was a funny scene. Um, yeah, I, I thought the stuff with the cow and Woody Harrelson was The stuff was with the cow of, was pretty funny. That was pretty funny. But yeah, and I thought the very end when Susie sewed the Jewish star, the star <laughs> that, David on, that was on the funny. back of his robe. And that he's yelling funny. out for someone to help him. Who the hell is going to help you at a clan rally? <laughs> right? Idiot. I thought that was hysterical. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, I'd have to go back and watch them all. I mean, I whether it's the least funny or most offensive, I don't know. But it was definitely one of those that was, you know, it's it's one of those that's not my favorite. That, I mean, it's, you know, it's on the rung. It's at the bottom of the the wrong, it may be the worst. I mean, I, like I said, I'd have to watch them all. It's definitely at the bottom of the pile for, for you know, topics. I, you know, I, that's how I felt about the, uh, the fatwa uh, stuff. I wasn't super big on the whole, you know, uh, fatwa, the musical, and then they had the fatwa on him and he was afraid that he was going to be killed. I didn't, and that spanned over a few episodes of that, no, that was the whole entire season. Well, maybe it was the whole entire season, the underlying. I thought that story was a little... Yeah, I mean, I don't really do racism and race and that kind of stuff quite like that. Um, I prefer a lot of the other kind of comedy on that show. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, you know, but in general, I think 
episode. I, you know, I think every season there's probably one or two episodes. It's my least favorite. Um, and that's probably it so far. Um, I think it's, you know, it's basically Curb Your Enthusiasm. They definitely have a formula that works. Um, you know, I, I, I like it. I think Vince Vaughn's a good addition. I like his Freddie Funkhauser role. I like him better than the um, original. The guy who died? Yeah. Um, I wasn't a big fan. I thought his character was okay, but I don't know. He always, his, his I don't know, kind of on a chalkboard for me a little bit so and i'm a huge vince vaughn fan so i really like vince's freddy um i i thought and, and you know i'm gonna i'm gonna blend a whole bunch of episodes together here so so far but um as i talk about it but uh i do think it's kind of funny that this i think it was this last was on the date with uh, claire dunphy um, Gabby McMcAfee or whatever, and he borrows the shirt from from Vince's favorite shirt, and we're supposed to believe that six foot three, two hundred and pound well, Vince, Vince Vaughn and Larry David aren't that that aren't that uh they're not that dissimilar in height. Like Larry David's probably like maybe a foot shorter than Vince Vaughn. Yeah, but he's got to be a good fifty to seventy five pounds lighter. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, he's fucking old as shit. He's not going to be packing the pounds on. No, no, no. I'm just saying the idea that, that Vince Vaughn fits Larry David as well as it did, I thought was a little... I didn't quite buy that. And then when he was like... Vince Vaughn was like, oh, I want your gray and blue two-tone shirt. I'm like, you can't fit Larry David. <laughs> like, I just... Little things like that with little criticism. But I, you know. But yeah, no, I mean, I, how about... uh? And again, I'm no, there be was all- one point during that episode where, because I, uh, you know, as you know, I work graveyard. So when I'm watching all the shit, it's like uh, 8 39 in the morning. So I'm very tired and I'm stoned. And so I forgot that Jeff had said in the episode about his TV to come over and check it out. <laughs> but I'm assuming that Jeff said, come over and check it out, you know, like an appropriate time when the people that are owning that house are there. So what does Larry do? Larry finds a key and fucking breaks into their house and turns on a Sherlock Holmes movie. <laughs> oh my god, that was so one. fucking funny. It's not a new Sherlock. It's like an old one from the it's 80s. Very like Sherlock from the 40s and just gets lost in it and starts lounging <laughs> on Susie's couch. Uh, that was funny. But it, it lended... It, it seems like, like I said... Uh, it seems like the theme, the underlying theme of this season has been like getting older, you know, because yeah. you have the, you have Larry in the first episode walking into the glass door and then in like the, the, the second, the third episode, you have him like not knowing that he's slamming doors. Right. So it just yeah. seems like well, a, yeah, a for theme sure. of like getting yeah. old, growing well, older. The, I mean, I thought it was very interesting. I mean, I, you know, I, Hollywood does this. I don't know. Maybe if I Googled them, I'd be very surprised that they're closer in age. But I feel like Hollywood does this thing where they pit older men with younger women all the time. And I don't feel like losing Larry David. So I found yeah, that a little seems kind of like a stretch. But at the same time, I did find it hysterical. The door. And then all of a sudden, just like Leon said, 
it turned him from a sexual person to it. Just a, you know, she couldn't, she just couldn't do it anymore. I thought that was hysterical. Um, yeah. I'm, Somebody, come on, you get into a glass door. <laughs> well, it depends on how hot she is. But yeah, no, I mean, uh, so many funny things. I mean, the the opening, you know, scene with the burglar that dies in the the beginning of the first episode of season 11. I thought about that. <laughs> I love I the guy's every, brother, dude. Every time I think about that guy's brother and his blackmail, I think, you know, if it were me, I'd tell him, hey, you know, come outside. We should talk about this outside. And I pull him around the corner and I put a fucking gun in his mouth. <laughs> like that. Yeah. And end all that fucking bullshit with the blackmail. Like, what the fuck, man? I love Maria Sophia, dude. She's hilarious. The the the, the stupid audition scenes for Larry's show where she has to play the Jewish girl. Oh my god, it's hysterical. I thought those things were just hysterical. I thought the next hilarious. Funny was when he uh, after he order already failed at Hulu to pitch a show to Netflix, and that was like the opening of that next episode, right? <laughs> Which was again no, they went to Hulu. First. They failed. And then they went to Hulu. Yeah. yeah. God. And that guy, like, again, like, what's up? <laughs> with, you know, I'm not even Jewish. And that's like, you, dude, you need to calm down with the fucking whatever's going on with your pride slash hatred of your Jewish heritage because all these weird Jew jokes are, they're not cutting through, man. I'm like, oh, it's oh, so fucking awkward. But then he's, he's starting the when he's like, okay, let's talk about the uh, the script. We didn't like it, or so we liked it, but we didn't love it. And Larry, very smart and on the money, points at someone who is uh, seems non-binary or, or whatnot, and he says they liked it, or and then. Uh, I think she might have been lesbian. She's like, oh, no, I'm not non-binary um, or something <laughs> like that. It was a moment in the show. There's a lot. There's so many funny and moments. And he asked the Asian <laughs> dude, he's like, what are you? He's like, "He's like, are you? He's like, no, I'm, I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> <It's like laughs> only, only Larry David would so fucking do funny moments. like that. Yep. But the guy at Hulu I- or what? supposed to call it Julius. So I'm not going to do that. was uh, so cringy. <laughs> I thought the whole Albert Brooks live funeral was hysterical. And, and then Larry finds his COVID hoarding closet of his toilet paper and you're out. And he's like, uh, the CVS before I moved in. <laughs> <laughs> this was the CVS before I moved in here. Oh, oh my so god, funny. I was dying. That shit's hilarious. Or He's his dumbass girlfriend when Larry year. was joking around and he said that Albert Brooks accepted gun to his life and she's like, Did you really? Did you really accept you? <laughs> the look he gives her. <laughs> uh, uh, so much funny stuff. Man, John yeah, Hammond. Uh, uh, Leon, uh, that the, the black people not eating watermelon, obviously, you know, that's a fucking mess. <laughs> I don't give a fuck who you are. If there's a watermelon and it's ripe, I'm eating it. Give a shit. That's, right. I'm not no, hiding in a bathroom. Hysterical. He said you go into the woods to eat watermelon. 
man. Yeah, some seriously funny stuff. And then the what about the um what about the douchebag that won't pay him his six thousand dollars? Oh man, that was again. Like, I think gonna... that's a situation where you gotta rough somebody up. Like, hey, you know. And what is this? This must be just like a rich people thing where you love right? motherfucker money and then you just wait to the I. That's not a rule that exists for broke people. You don't wait six months to bring it up. Hey, nigga, yeah, you got my money. Like. Or what? The... like when he was like, oh, Dennis Weibel owes me some money. I thought it was going to be like a couple hundred bucks. When it was like $6,000, I was like, oh, hell no. Yeah, no, that's, you got to. A lot of fucking money. I mean, I, I understand you're Larry David and you're rich. And, you know, that's kind of the premise of the show to a certain extent. Is that you kind of circles with people with a lot of money. But at the same time, that's a lot of money. But, yeah, the whole I'll pay you at the club. And then he sees him at the club and he says, oh, I wrote you a check at and that's it. I was like, oh, dude, you're so slimy. Like, that's that's when you get pistol whipped, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, and then people, you know, fucking uh, leave him alone. He's got what is he's got some fucking was <laughs> dementia, some shit. dementia. Yeah, yeah, early onset and dementia. Then, oh, I don't, <laughs> I wouldn't um, either. And Susie plopped on the couch and <laughs> <laughs> Jeff doesn't but want they to did for once they did I found it funny that like in all 11 seasons there's one instance when she's asking him it was, it was in the episode where he has her remake that robe for the fucking clans member but right. they have like one like I think it's the only time I can remember in the history of the show that didn't involve, they had an interaction that didn't involve Susie telling him to get the fuck out when she right. asked him to uh, to go golfing with the rabbi. And like, it <laughs> sticks out, because anytime fucking Larry's in their house, Susie is almost a... She's telling Larry to get, get the, the fuck, fuck out of her house. <laughs> and that was like the one where they had a nice interaction with each other. And then she just left, and there was no get the fuck out. <laughs> Which sometimes Larry deserves it, and then other times it's like, what the fuck? Like in the 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 season where uh, it was like way way earlier in the series, and when when Leon and his family move in, and then fucking Cheryl discovers that that someone jacked off on the fucking blankets, and so Larry's telling Jeff and Ted, and Jeff is like, oh, it was me. He was like, it's no big deal. It was me. You know, it was, I can't remember the name of the holidays. Like I had a little bit of Manny Shavitz and. I fucking got an erection, so I, I removed myself from the table and took care of it. <laughs> and Larry's like, what the fuck? And then Jeff's like, yeah, you know, you come to my house, have a good time, whack off. I don't care. And uh, so retaliation for that, fucking Cheryl tells Jeff that he can no longer go to their house. So in retaliation, Susie tells Larry, you can no longer go in our house, which is kind of like a what the fuck, All right. your husband jizzing on people's bed sheets and whatnot, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, instances like that where Larry gets fucking excommunicated from their, their house for some bullshit. But no, that's right. that's it's it's why it stuck out. It was like, oh that was that was nice. I thought the whole uh stuff with the chefs at the uh the restaurant, the Hiroshima say 
Hiroshima told that was it was hilarious. Hiroshima say, I'll say Hiroshima say if I want to say Hiroshima Or the uh, the asshole all the, the time. The umbrella refusing to give it yeah. back. He, he's like, well, it says O'Neill Hotel on it. I said, you need to give it back to the O'Neill Hotel. He's like, I'm gonna... uh, this shit was hysterical. I laugh out loud the whole time, for sure. I'm sure some of my roommates Everybody are very uh, upset. Yeah, because I'm laughing very loud. Like they like said the episode... Because I didn't, I didn't understand that he had broken into Jeff and Susie's house. Because you never see their, you never see their house from the angle that he went in, that right. random side view. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, wait a minute, like is this is this a secret rendezvous he's having with some lady? And then someone starts knocking at the door, and he goes for a second, he goes to answer it, and then he sits down. And so the first time I saw that, I'm like, wait a minute, what the fuck? Whose fucking house is he? And what the fuck is going on here? And then Susie right? showed up, and uh, no, still funny. Like even funnier yeah. the second time watching it when someone starts banging on the door, and that's like anybody's natural inclination is to go, uh, "Who's at the door?" But then you know he realizes, like, "Oh no, I broke into the house. I probably shouldn't run around answering doors." Susie's yeah. like, "It was my dress. He could have answered the door. You were here." And right? Larry says, uh, "What did you say?" Uh, no, I, I wasn't supposed to be here. I wasn't here. I wasn't here. I was here theoretically or some shit like yeah, that. Yeah, I was here really, but not figuratively. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, you go get the dress. And he's, uh, what did say? Uh, steady, inspector, steady. And she's like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, oh, my God. Uh, I can't uh, get enough of it. Yeah, no, it's it's all funny. I like all the. I mean, all the stuff. There's so much stuff that goes on so far in those four episodes. I, again, the stuff with Maria Sophia, where she's got Cheryl, where he goes to Cheryl to to help uh, give her some acting lessons. The acting lesson stuff was pretty funny. I thought that stuff was funny. Um, uh, the the whole the ongoing underlying search for another Mary Fern. Um. Is hysterical. Um, yeah, just so many funny things. I, you know, I recommend this show to anybody that often, you know, it's, it's, it's a little more uh, edgier than Seinfeld, but it has kind of that same kind of humor, but it's not quite as, I, I don't want to say edgy. I want to say it's not quite as. Um, I'm not sure how it was, as like as as sunny in Philadelphia. Always sunny in Philadelphia. It's it's a little bit it's a little bit milder than that. It's kind of like Simpsons, in my opinion. Um, from I don't know. I feel like if you're a fan of sunny in Philadelphia, because that's what I came from is. It's always sunny, and then I had to find something else because I'd watch that series like back to back enough times. And so it's you know it's uh it's irreverent comedy. Same thing as it's always sunny. Where it's always sunny is like dark and irreverent comedy. Right. That, yeah. uh, for me personally, it's a little less dark, I guess. It's, um, but yeah. yeah, no, I mean I I love Curb Your Enthusiasm, and I like I mean. Um, have vacillated on this program on my opinion on whether I like stuff in bundles or not. 
I'm not angry with the fact that it comes a week. I mean, it gives me something to look forward to, you know, oh, the next episode's coming up in the next day or two. So that kind of thing. Um, yeah. No, I mean, I, I hope it's not its last season. Um, it's definitely been – it was a break between between 10 and 11. I think there was a break between 10 and 11. I know there was a break at some point between, like, I don't know, 7 and 8 or something. Break was, between 9 and 10. Uh, is for about five or six years, I think, if I'm not mistaken, um, <laughs> where they didn't do it and then it came back. So, I mean, I kind of hope that it uh, sticks around at the same time. I understand Larry's getting, you know, older and – and, you know, the reality is, is that as long as we continue to kind of do the same Larry where, you know, he's supposed to be dating younger women and still kind of active in his life and trying to pitch stuff, probably getting to an age where that becomes less and less believable from, a, you know, a viewer's perspective. Um, you know, 10 years ago when the show started, or even five years ago, it was a little more believable. I mean, when the show started, I already thought, there's no way Cheryl's with him. He's too old for her. And I realize it's Hollywood, and a lot of times women look younger than they are, and men look, you know, whatever. Or and just straight up men will date, like, yeah, like I no doubt. found out the other day that, no uh, no that doubt. Leonardo DiCaprio dates women, but once they hit 25, he dumps them, apparently. Right, and he so, stays that you, know, you know, like uh, on the on the other side of twenty five. So yeah, that's that's a Hollywood thing where old ass men just date young women, and everybody's cool with it. Right. So I mean, I always found that a little unbelievable, even with Cheryl. But I definitely found the whole stuff with Lucy Liu really unbelievable. So I'm be able to put Larry up in that role in general. So it'll be interesting. To- it's still working, and I, you know, I'm loving this season. I think it's every bit as funny, barring the episode, which left a little to be desired, as you know, the stuff that they normally do on this show. Um, you know, it's right on par with past seasons, and if you'll definitely like this season. Um, yeah, I would have to agree. And if you've never uh, seen Curb Your Enthusiasm before, there's no better advantageous time than right now where you've got 11 seasons of hot premium comedy to um, devour, as it were. It's definitely binge-worthy stuff to watch. I mean, it's half-hour episodes, you know, and you get into them before you know it. You've watched three or four hours, you know, six or five or six episodes, and yeah, I mean, it's very easy to get some and it's, you know, it's a great show. So, yeah, if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. If you've seen it before, watch what you haven't seen in season 11 yet. I recommend you do because it's extremely Absolutely. fun. Highly recommended as a TV show you've got to watch before the end of the year. And speaking of a TV show that you've got to watch, Alan, please mm-hmm. tell me you've, uh, you've watched nope. Dope Sick. I have not. What's wrong with you? You don't you don't like good things? I problem is there's just too much going on at the moment. TV wise, I've got my regular shows back. Um, you know, all my animation domination stuff, and then I it's college basketball like twenty five college basketball games on my DVR right now. It's also NFL football season and NBA basketball season and me being a sports head. Like that comes before everything, and right now it's a, a bit of a nexus of 
my favorite thing. So most of my viewing at this moment is sports. So everything else kind of falls to the wayside. The only thing that I work in in between is, like I said, my animation dominated Great North, Family Guy, Bob's Burgers. Um, and, uh, you know, the other, we do, I do watch the other, um, like half hour comedy shows, uh, Goldbergs and the Connors and those kind of things, the standard network fair that me and my wife like. Um, and then my wrestling, and that's really about all I'm watching at the moment. So I did see uh, <clears throat> Jungle Cruise with The Rock, um, which I thought was okay. Of I didn't course, think it was you would watch that before you watch some good acting. <laughs> well, my wife wanted to see it, and so, and I'll be yeah, honest, I, I wanted to. I suppose everybody needs a palate cleanser and wet better than a. Dwayne the Rock Johnson movie. You know, I saw a Rock movie too, and I'm pretty frustrated that I saw such a piece of shit like that. Uh, but it Red was Notice? on Netflix. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, you watched. It. You didn't like it, huh? No, you liked it. I haven't watched it yet. I haven't seen. It. Oh my god! What a that movie is garbage. It's garbage. It's a good. It's a good. Check example. it out. I mean, I saw it and I thought, oh shit, I want to see that. Mm. It's a good example of what happens when you have a movie that's completely run by the production of The Rock. Uh, scripts by someone that The Rock approves, and that, that script is terrible. That movie's terrible. It goes nowhere. It's completely translucent in what's going on, and only someone who doesn't watch a lot of movies would be surprised by the twist, air quotes, ending Interesting. Uh, I mean, I'm still going to check it out because I'm a pretty diehard. You're a fanboy for The Rock. Yeah, we know. Right. I'm a pretty diehard Rock a fan. Shill. And and I love Ryan Reynolds. I think he's one of the funniest people on film in general. And so almost anything with him in it, I will go see. Such a big fuss about The Rock, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot being in this movie and I'm going to say you know I'm going to evenly distribute out the the pain none of them hit their fucking marks Ryan Reynolds off in a corner trying to be funny in scenes that don't really call for his brand of of chaotic comedy let's call it yeah. that I don't know what else to call it it was it just wasn't a very good movie man it was interesting yeah I mean I thought it you know, I definitely thought that the previews looked okay and the, the cast I thought looked good. I know you're not a rock fan, but I am. So, um, you know, I definitely am, I'll, I'll definitely check it out at some point. I definitely, I, I mean, I thought it was very interesting. I don't know. I assume you watch Survivor Series and I thought it was really fucking stupid how they tried to pretend that Vince McMahon, the real $100 million egg, not a prop movie, but a real one from something that's not real um so stupid to tie in red notice in general and just whatever that but, was uh yeah that was like that was like uh someone asking someone else are you sure grandpa is <laughs> he's he fine like no grandpa's fucking senile what how do you what are you not getting about this your grandpa is very fucking sick there's something going on with vince man he is uh that was all very weird to watch very weird, and Very especially weird. if you can take into account all the uh, the the supposed budget cuts and shit. Man, you're someone right. who just fired a bunch of people, even though you've had the highest profits you've had in a long time, and here you are talking about a hundred million dollar fucking egg. Right. What the fuck? Uh, what? What? 
what is right. this shit, man? I was going to ask you to defend that because I know that you're also in the pocket for the WWE. What the fuck, Alan? What is you know, the- I'll be honest with you. We haven't talked wrestling in a while, but you know, I know that when we talked wrestling before and when we talked about and, and, and did a few episodes of our wrestling podcast, I don't even remember how many it was. I was definitely a, a big WWE guy, but right now, uh, you know, November 25th of 2021, I I have not show except for a pay-per-view all year. I, I haven't watched a Raw, an NXT, or a SmackDown all year. And I've given up. I'm not watching them on Peacock. I still have my Peacock because there's other things I like on there. But now I just watch them bootleg because I don't want to. It makes me feel something from them. Now I'm I'm done with WWE. I am with all of their releases over the last two years. With uh, and being you know the shit that they've done. It's one thing to release people. I get it. You know you wrestlers. Companies wouldn't get them. You had 500 wrestlers on your roster. You can only show five a week. I get it. You got to cut some talent somewhere. But then to say it or to sign people, uh, you know, give them a contract and then a week later release them or bring them up to the NXT and then release them a week later after you've given them a terrible gimmick or whatever the case may be, you know, try to rebrand them after they've already NXT. All that shit, fuck them. I'm done with WWE. Fuck Vince McMahon. Fuck WWE. I am 100%. You know, uh, I mean, I watch everything else. I watch AEW. I watch MLW. I watch NWA. I watch New Japan. But I'm not watching anything anymore, WWE, except for the pay-per-views. And even then, I, especially after the Survivor Series pay-per-view, it was terrible. Um, well, I, Alan, I, I only have one thing to say to that. Which is, yes, my young apprentice, given to your <laughs> hatred. Feel your hatred, my young apprentice. Absolutely. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm no, done with it's, WWE. Uh, it's been so to uh to watch this, and you know, they just they just keep firing people and firing people. And it's like, well, yeah, and like you said, like everybody, it was never, uh, never a big secret that they were hoarding people, you know, at the same sure. time that they were saying that <laughs> AEW is not a threat. They were trying to sign as many people. They signed so many people in the UK scene that they kind of killed the independent scene in, yep. in the UK with their bullshit. And like, who, uh, who, who the fuck, nobody watches NXT UK, you know? <clears throat> They uh they've kind of killed and it's a funny thing about NXT that the original NXT rose from the ashes of the WWE version of ECW. I don't know if you can cast your mind that far back, but the original NXT was like a bizarre game show. It what? wasn't even yeah. wrestling. It was like fucking weird ass. No, it was like man. rough enough. It wasn't quite the same. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was very very fucking bizarre. And then. NXT like fucking 2.0 was kind of like that, but a little bit more wrestling. And then NXT 3.0. So when they say 2.0, this is really like NXT 6.7 or some shit like that. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> and it's sad. You know, I mean, it was always confusing. So they're like, oh, it's developmental. No, it's a third brand and shit. I'm like, well, it kind of seems like both. And 
you know, there was, I always had a fear. Uh, you know, I'd see a lot of people online that wanted the unspeeded era to go to the main roster. I'm like, and, you know, I'd watch Wrestle Talk and they'd talk about people that want to go to the main roster. I'm like, are you not seeing, are we seeing two different versions of <clears throat> fucking history? Because anybody that goes to the main roster from NXT, the last guys to be really successful from NXT to the main roster were the Four Horsewomen and the Shield. And after that, it's kind of been the same fucking thing where they bring him up. I mean, Finn Balor to a degree, but, you know, then he got injured and his career's never been the same. But everybody else kind of just gets shit on. You know, Asuka gets brought up for the main roster. She's the most dominant. She's undefeated. She's had an undefeated streak that rivals Bill Goldberg's in length. And then they bring her up just so Charlotte can beat her. They feed her Charlotte. And it's just like... Uh, Vince McMahon, you know, people always talk about him being a genius in some ways, yes, but in a lot of ways, no, man. Like, this, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, I, I don't believe that he's a genius. I, I think that he, luck, luck is not a fair word. I think he muscled his way into much of what he's gotten. I think he's kind of steamrolled, you know, in the early days. He, you know, in the early, early 80s, he basically had the idea, which I guess makes somewhat of a visionary or whatever, to try to expand beyond the general territories model. And but, you know, if his dad hadn't had a company and a territory for him to come into, he wouldn't have had that. I mean, I don't think Vince McMahon loves wrestling to the point where he would have started WWE on his own junior you know, he came into, took over for his dad and his dad's company. And yeah, he's grown it, but I think he's done as much harm for wrestling as he's done good. And I think that a big portion, uh, looking back on it, on his successes, he was basically the only thing in the, in the, in the arena to watch. I mean, TV to watch for the most part. I mean, we had WCW in the nineties, but even that, you know, forever. And, Everything else that ever got any kind of legs, he either buys or destroys by taking their talent or whatever. And and so, yeah, no, I mean, I think, and very interesting is that, and, and I guess I wasn't naive or ignorant, but again, that's really out there on at that top level, it is what it is. You know, you watch it or whatever because it's the only thing. But now that there's another company, that's basically doing what they better than they've ever done it. In my opinion, I think AEW right now is in a zone in a pocket where basically almost anything they're touching is gold. Everybody wants to be in thing and in WWE right now, and they're showing how you do it the right way. I mean, Tony Khan is basically showing what a piece of shit Vince McMahon is by just simply doing things the right way. And all it does is shine how terrible WWE is. And I think that the, the biggest issue for years is, is that there just hasn't been any real you know, finger quotes competition. And WCW didn't, it was competition, but it was all fucked up too. It was ran shitty as well. So it's not, I don't equate WCW to I think AEW is being run very well. And I think it, for the most part, it seems to be a pretty healthy environment, which is something that is in foreign to what I know about wrestling and wrestling promotions. I mean, most wrestling companies 
hasn't been very healthy in terms of, you know, alcohol and drug use, in terms of mental health issues, in terms of steroid use, in terms of overworkage, in terms of being guilted into working through injuries, being underpaid, all that kind of shit. Um, so it looks like AEW it seems to be the first real big wrestling company to come along to do it right. And it's shining a big light on, especially WWE that's been doing it wrong for a long time. Look at how happy these guys are. I mean, you have guys now that have literally been into wrestling. I mean, CM Punk is back after being driven from wrestling because of WWE and the backstage stuff and politics. Daniel Bryan, who was, you know, uh, basically a caged animal, is now back to doing being the greatest wrestler probably on the planet. You know, and it's it just and Miro. I mean, all these guys that WWE couldn't lose right or had to turn them into what they thought they were supposed to be, or you know, you can't do that move or don't do this or be that way. No, you just let these guys do what they do because they're fucking incredible and get out of the way. And 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 like I said, AEW's letting that happen, and it's amazing how how easy it is to see WWE is. A whole entire shit show and a half, and it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, people like Miro, man, he's uh, been on fire. And it's like, what the fuck? Why did you have him doing all that stupid shit? This guy is. And I like Rusev. I mean, I was all in on Rusev Day, and I thought he was cool. But now, now when you see Miro, it's like Jesus. You guys really missed the ball. You took Miro and made him Rusev. Like, fuck, that's terrible. Like, I enjoy because I didn't know any better, but now that you see him, you know, where he's actually able to be his own person, uh, the difference. I and mean, now he's amazing. I mean, yeah. Absolutely. Well, uh, I don't have anything else to talk about, Alan. I don't either. I don't have any, no news today uh, in honor of the, the holiday got that you don't celebrate. You. Oh, I've got some for you guys. Uh, but I don't want to ruin supposed holiday. I could tell you a little <laughs> story about what really happened on this holiday. <laughs> on people's pancakes, you know. <laughs> but I uh, know I don't have any news either. I do not. The only news so. I have this holiday is a, a controversy and it's completely stupid and fuck this. But uh, hey, you know. Again, I don't want to piss on anybody's pancakes. <laughs> yeah. So, yep. Nope. On that note, we should probably go ahead and wrap it up. Yep. Let's up. wrap it up before there's too much of an edge by talking. <laughs> As always, ladies and gentlemen, the three people who listen, uh, we appreciate you. Uh, whether you celebrate this supposed holiday or not, uh, we appreciate you taking time out of your, what I'm sure is a busy rest of your day of telling your family, Larry David style, that it's time for you to get the fuck out of my house. It's time for you to leave. It's been enough. You had a piece of pumpkin pie. Time for you to go. Time for you to fuck out. <laughs> uh, so thank you in the midst of doing that um, for taking time to listen to two. What? Middle, if you were the middle in your Thanksgiving table, 
much as Larry David had to move to the middle in that episode because he's a better middle facilitator of conversation. More power to you. I'm more of a an edge person myself. <laughs> yeah, he's a real edge lord. <laughs> yeah, whether you had to middle or sit at the head. Or yeah, I always felt like sitting at the head of the table would be more of a challenge than sitting in the middle. Yeah. Because you're sitting at yeah. the head of the table, the flow of which way the food is going, that can be pretty pressure-inducing. I agree. No doubt. And generally, the person at the head of the table is the person carving the food or the turkey. So. Uh, yeah, that's I don't, what I don't I'm saying. You're in charge. Of, you, set the, you set the pace for how fast or how slow someone gets to fucking eat. <laughs> These times, everybody's like doing this weird bullshit where they're fast. So by the time that <laughs> beasts are like, we'll literally right. cut you if you don't. Yeah, haven't eaten in four like, days. You know, yeah, haven't eaten in like two weeks. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you, you haven't eaten in two weeks. Like, man, you don't look. <laughs> Eat a sandwich in between now and then. Yeah. Have a fucking have a cheeseburger slider <laughs> and chill out. <laughs> oh man. Yep. So I've never been like that. All right, well on that note. I mean, just get some nachos or <laughs> Yep. But anyways, ladies yeah, and gentlemen, of all genders, whether or if you're they or them or you're non-binary, uh, we want to you for taking the time to listen. And I think happy holidays because this ain't a holiday to me. I'll say I hope you enjoy the rest of your Thursday night. In the infamous words of Ron Burgundy, as always, keep it classy. And stuff it down with a whole lot of brown. And hey, you know, there's still a pandemic, so just be careful. Wear a mask. Just be careful. Wear a mask. Adults, just health conscious about it. Would you have sex with a prostitute with no condom? If you say yes, (laughs) you're... I hope... (laughs) Same thing applies to this. Wear a mask. Wear a mask. That was a terrible analogy, but you guys enjoy <laughs> the rest of your Thursday, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. All right. Happy holidays.